Chapter 47 of Varney the Vampire This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Carl, St. Louis, Missouri, March 2008. The Mob's Arrival at Sir Francis Varney's The Attempt to Gain Admission all eyes were directed towards that southern sky which each moment was becoming more and more illuminated by the lurid appearance bespeaking a conflagration which if it was not extensive at all events was raging fiercely there came too upon that wind which set from that direction strange sounds resembling shouts of triumph combined occasionally with sharper cries indicative of alarm with so much system and so quietly had this attack been made upon the house of Sir Francis Varney, for the consequences of it now exhibited themselves more unequivocally, that no one who had not actually accompanied the expedition was in the least aware that it had been at all undertaken, or that anything of the kind was on the tabus. Now, however, it could be no longer kept a secret and as the infuriated mob who had sought this flagrant means of giving vent to their anger saw the flames from the blazing house rising high in the heavens they felt convinced that further secrecy was out of the question accordingly in such cries and shouts as but for caution's sake they would have indulged in from the very first they now gave utterance to their feelings as regarded the man whose destruction was aimed at "'Death to the vampire! Death to the vampire!' was the principal shout, and it was uttered in tones which sounded like those of rage and disappointment. But it is necessary, now that we have disposed of the smaller number of rioters who committed so serious an outrage at the inn, that we should, with some degree of method, follow the proceedings of the larger number, who went from the town towards Sir Francis Varney's. These persons either had information of a very positive nature, or a very strong suspicion that, notwithstanding the mysterious and almost unaccountable disappearance of the vampire in the old ruin, he would now be found, as usual, at his own residence. Perhaps one of his own servants may have thus played the traitor to him, but, however it was, there certainly was an air of confidence about some of the leaders of the tumultuous assemblage that induced a general belief that this time, at least, the vampire would not escape popular vengeance for being what he was. We have before noticed that these people went out of the town at different points, and did not assemble into one mass until they were at a sufficient distance off to be free from all fear of observation. Then some of the less observant and cautious of them began to indulge and shouts of rage and defiance, but those who placed themselves foremost succeeded in procuring a halt, and one said, Good friends all, if we make any noise, it can only have one effect, and that is to warn Sir Francis Varney and enable him to escape. If therefore we cannot go on quietly, I propose that we return to our homes, for we shall accomplish nothing." This advice was sufficiently and evidently reasonable to meet with no dissension. A death-like stillness ensued, only broken by some two or three voices saying, in subdued tones, "'That's right, that's right, nobody speak.' "'Come on, then,' said he who had given such judicious counsel, and the dark mass of men moved towards Sir Francis Varney's house, as quietly as it was possible for such an assemblage to proceed.' 
Indeed, saving the sound of the footsteps, nothing could be heard of them at all, and that regular tramp, tramp, tramp would have puzzled anyone listening to it from any distance to know in which direction it was proceeding. In this way they went on until Sir Francis Varney's house was reached, and even then a whispered word to halt was given, and all eyes were bent upon the building. From but one window out of the numerous ones with which the front of the mansion was studded did there shine the least light, and from that there came rather an uncommonly bright reflection, probably arising from a reading-lamp placed close to the window. A general impression, they knew not why exactly, seemed to pervade everybody, that in the room from whence streamed that bright light was Sir Francis Varney. "'The vampire's room,' said several. "'The vampire's room. That is it.' "'Yes,' said he, who had a kind of moral control over his comrades. "'I have no doubt, but he is there.' "'What's to be done?' asked several. "'Make no noise, whatever, but stand aside, "'so as not to be seen from the door when it is opened. "'Yes, yes. "'I will knock for admittance, "'and the moment it is answered "'I will place this stick in such a manner within "'that the door cannot be closed again. "'Upon my saying, advance, "'you will make a rush forward, "'and we shall have possession immediately of the house.' "'All this was agreed to. The mob shrunk close to the walls of the house, and out of immediate observation from the hall door, or from any of the windows, and then the leader advanced and knocked loudly for admission. The silence was now of the most complete character that could be imagined. Those who came there so bent upon vengeance were thoroughly convinced of the necessity of extreme caution to save themselves even yet from being completely foiled. They had abundant faith from experience of the resources in the way of escape of Sir Francis Varney, that not one among them was there who considered that there was any chance of capturing him, except by surprise, and when once they got hold of him, they determined he should not easily slip through their fingers. The knock for admission produced no effect, and, after waiting three or four minutes, it was very provoking to find such a wonderful amount of caution and cunning completely thrown away. "'Try again,' whispered one. "'Well, have patience. I'm going to try again.' The man had the ponderous old-fashioned knocker in his hand, and was about to make another appeal to Sir Francis Farney's door, when a strange voice said, "'Perhaps you may as well say at once what you want, instead of knocking there to no purpose.' He gave a start, for the voice seemed to come from the very door itself. Yet it sounded decidedly human, and upon closer inspection, it was seen that a little wicket-gate, not larger than a man's face, had been opened from within. This was terribly provoking. Here was an extent of caution on the part of the garrison quite unexpected. What was to be done? "'Well,' said the man who appeared at the little opening. "'Oh,' said he who had knocked, "'I, well,' I, that is to say, ahem, is Sir Francis Varney within? Well, uh, I say, is Sir Francis Varney within? Well, you have said it. Ah, but you have not answered it. No. Well, is he at home? I decline saying, so you had better, all of you, go back to the town again, for we are well provided with all material to resist any attack you may be fools enough to make. As he spoke, the servant shut the little square door with a bang that made his questioner jump again. Here was a dilemma. End of chapter 47